How many times has your kid asked you, can we have a play date with so-and-so? It's like, soon. Yeah. When? The next uh, couple of weeks from now. Mr. Promises with his soons. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so okay. let's so, yeah. record the intro now. Just so what is, Milkless, because I think we start with the name. Two dads, we love our kids, but then we also need them to know that we're like pretty cool and it's not like a wimpy podcast, so hey. <laughs> hey. Hey. Milkless. Hey, welcome. Hey. Hey, hey, Milkless. Call the audience, Milkless. What's up, Milkless? <laughs> Matt and Max coming at you. What if that's it? <laughs> that's our first take. On this episode of Milkless, we're talking about, I don't know what we're talking about. Max said he had an idea. He said it would be better if I did not know what it was. And so we're doing this together. Here we go. All right, Matt, today I got something for you kind of special. You know how we've been working on this book? Yeah, yeah. Purple Martin. All right, let me just lead it off with this. So Matt uh, wrote a book. And he's like, Max, you know, I wrote a children's book. A little sheepish about it. I'm like, let me read this thing. I, I know he's a great writer. I know he's like an Emmy-nominated filmmaker. He wrote this amazing movie that was the number one on Netflix. And he, I, I know he's a great writer. But then I was like... Yeah, it's a kid's book. Is it just like a, a picture book? But uh, I read this thing and I don't think something like this exists. So it's like a little chapter book. But what it is, is he has this way of writing that is really hitting like the kid's point of view, which just is so amazing. And I want to talk about a few excerpts that I pulled and just hear from that where that came from. And just like, let's just talk about those. What it, what it must feel like to be a kid. Oh, man. This is a really nice surprise, man. Uh, thanks for saying all those nice things about it. I Like, a little more of the story. I mean, yeah, I sent this Google Doc to Max that I had written when we were pregnant with my second daughter. I didn't want to start a new feature film script. So I wrote this book and I sent it to a couple of people, but I didn't, I didn't really have a path to do anything with it. And then I sent it to Max and I talked to some illustrators, but it was going to be like, you know, it was very expensive to illustrate the whole book. Because one of the ideas I had was that I wanted there to be a lot of pictures because I think that there's this like unhappy valley that my daughter has been in for a little while where kids start to want more complex stories, but they don't want to give up on pictures. I think we take pictures away from kids too soon. And so it's like the books that she likes now have like a sketch every eight pages, but we miss having more, you know, but anyway, so it's going to make it, you know, kind of prohibitively expensive to get illustrated. But then I showed it to Max and buddy, you like, you read it to your kids, you interviewed them. You sent me a photo of them listening to the story, which didn't have any pictures yet, but like the looks on their faces were so cool. They were literally enthralled. They're just like, wait a minute, Matt wrote that. They're like, that's better than Harry Potter. I'm like, easy. Don't get me excited. <laughs> So, like, no, yeah, that's like the best the thing I've ever get me started. And so Max then like spent the next, I don't know, like the last six months basically like learning how to use AI tools to like create incredibly good illustrations. So it went from like a Google Doc to a, like it's going to be a book that's going to come out it, or well, depending on when this episode happens, it may be out right now. Well, the reason I love it and the reason we just had to do it is like when I read something like that. I remember growing up and it's like Roald Dahl. It was like, why doesn't that exist these days? There's a lot of solid chapter books, but that like middle ground, 75 to 100 pages, you know, really complex writing, not big words, but just something that a, an adult would find interesting. It's like a mystery with this like young girl 
at her grandparents' house. Anyway, I love it. Let me just get into some of the imagery. And I just think it's interesting to just go through some of this stuff. And then let's just talk about like these moments for kids. So Matt, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. This is, this is, this is real. He doesn't know what I'm doing. All right. Three sleeps. That's how long I was going to be here. Well, my parents, mama and dados, went to a no kids allowed wedding, which to be honest, felt like a little bit of a rude thing to have. So where'd that come from? <laughs> we didn't have kids at our wedding. What are you, you calling me out? No, dude, I get why people do it. But like... <laughs> but, but from the kid's perspective, I get it. From the kid's perspective, it sucks. And, and I do, like, I, I really wanted... So the, the structure of the book is like an old film noir. It's a mystery. It's a 10, 11-year-old detective who's a, a girl and her dog, Baba. Her name's Violet Archer. And Baba is like her, helps her investigate things. But the I really like the film noir trope because like what what is common to a lot of those movies is there's this like kind of hard-boiled first person voiceover narrator or in the books like the old Dashiell Hammett books and what is film noir for those who don't know like in the that, like think like Humphrey Bogart Maltese Falcon like mystery stories private detective kind of stylish slightly dark a little dark yeah but kind of fun too yeah like the first play I ever wrote was a noir play I, like it's always been a fascination to me so anyways I've always had this real connection to it, but I love that like it's always told from the perspective of this kind of hard-boiled, you know, person who has a code that they live by and they're not the biggest and the strongest, but they are clever. And I wanted like I really wanted a kid to see themselves in that and for the book to always feel like it was on their side, not the tallies, which is what in the book they they call grown-ups. She's like the tall what the tallies don't understand. Dot dot dot. So yeah. This is, dude, this is so fun. I, like, I, this is so fun. It's really nice of you. You're the author of this insanely cool book that I'm so thankful that I got to be a part of it and help bring it to life. And so in this moment, we're talking about the story. We're not talking about the illustrations. If you want to see the illustrations, I did. You're going to have to buy the book, ladies and gentlemen. But- <laughs> there you go, Max. <laughs> like, no, but I, like we, the, it, we came up with a, a conceit that I think is cool, which is that all the illustrations is like there will be one or two Polaroids on almost every page. And the, the idea is that sh- these are photos she's taken that are like clues as she's doing the investigation. These are kind of her records and that she's written up kind of the case file. What I love about it is that like it it makes the entire experience of the story visually as from her perspective, which is also the way the book is written. So you see the world through her eyes. All right. So I got another passage, another excerpt. So let me just say this first. It's not that I was nervous about being away from my parents exactly. And Martha, mom and Papa Dan are great. But when you're a kid, a lot of stuff just kind of happens to you. Decisions get made by the tallies. And the next thing you know, you're getting dropped off into a situation you've never seen before. Your only choice is to roll with it. So I think you nailed something there for me. It was like kids kind of do just get thrown into things. And I never really saw that. Yeah. It's like, just go, let's go. Come on, come on. We're doing this. We're doing that. And of course, I like get my children's opinion as much as I can. But like, I don't know, you just said that in such a way. It was like, yeah, the kids just kind of in a way or along for the ride. I remember that the first time I watched my daughter walk into elementary school when she started school, like just thinking like she has no idea what this is going to be like, like what a leap of faith. Yeah. I think about that when we go to the playground, they were just like, go make a friend. Can you imagine saying that to a grown up? They'd be like, ew, I'll be on Instagram. Um, yeah. But like, 
I remember that as a kid, just feeling like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to the grocery store now. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, I, the kind of the, the plot, the setup to the plot of this one is she goes for a weekend at her grandparents' house. That's Martha, Mom, and Papa Dan. Well, here's another one. And uh, I just I absolutely love this. I think you nailed something here. We don't need to go into the story. I don't want to give away too much. But so something just happened and she doesn't want to talk to her grandfather. And she says, well, maybe that's why I didn't say anything. Sometimes I worry people won't believe me about stuff just because I'm a kid. Like I don't have eyes and ears. And like, again, it's like, that helps me. I feel like I hear you through the, the writing that it's like, there's nothing more insidious than when you don't believe your kid yeah, and they're telling the truth or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think that that happens to kids a lot that like they kind of pick up on more than we think they do. I do think like all kids are like little detectives in some ways. They're like kind of always trying to figure shit out. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's cool. All right, so this one, like this one, is less of a, a kid thing. It's more of like, like almost you as an adult imparting wisdom because she's referencing something your dad said. Mm. And you know, I'd love to hear kind of how you thought about this one and how this one came up. But so she's something scary happens, and she's like, anything could happen back here. Was I feeling scared? You bet I was. But I was also feeling tough because remember, it's me and Baba out there, and we're no pushovers. Dado says, scared plus tough equals brave which means you can't even be brave without being scared first. I think maybe he's onto something with that. I love that. Like our kids reference that after reading it. That's cool. And it's like something about it, the fact that it was from this story, uh-huh. it resonates with them. Yeah, yeah. Stories are like a shortcut to like universal human experience. And you can see yourself hopefully in the protagonist too. Yeah. You know, I wanted her to have good, decent parents in this, but parents that make mistakes and grandparents that make mistakes. And there were pieces of like wisdom that it was like, oh, that would have been something that would have come from one of her parents. I do try to go like one-to-one on which ones her mama said and which ones her dad said, because I don't want to like, I don't want my, you know, wife to read it and be like, a lot of dad wisdom in here. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Violet Archer in the case of the Purple Martin. It's a chapter book with illustrations on every page. You can read it to them if they're five, six-year-olds, but then as soon as they can read up till 12, 13, it's an insanely good book with plot twists, like worthy of an adult's attention. I love this thing. I'm so proud of Matt and Milkless of putting this thing out. So check the podcast description for a link to buy the book or search Violet Archer on Amazon and buy it there. Cheers. Okay. This one was one of my favorite lines of all time. Just nail the kid thing. So, okay. But something was still bothering me. When I'd mentioned Baba sniffing around the cat door, Papa Dan had gotten this look on his face. One of those looks that tallies think us kids don't notice, but that we always catch. Here, here's what I think about when my wife and I read your writing. It's like, how do you think of this? Because you're one of the adults that doesn't know that they see this look on your <laughs> face. So Yeah. It's the thing where like, I'll feel like, man, I'm really doing a good job of not showing how stressful my workday has been. And then my daughter will just say, why are you mad? And I'm like, <laughs> and I, I just, I don't know. I remember as a kid just feeling like I was picking up on a lot of shit. And we kind of want to think that there, it, that's like a hard truth as a parent to know that your kids are like so kind of attuned to what you're doing because it, it means you got to. It comes back to that thing about parenting where it's like probably the best thing you can do as a parent is to kind of like get your shit together and try to take care of yourself. Uh, But that's hard. So anyways, a lot of times what I was trying to do was like 
write this feeling that I think I've seen my daughter have, but write it in words that are probably better than she could articulate it, Mm -hmm. but that she would understand. Yeah. So I'm kind of like trying to articulate her experience back to her, I guess. Yeah. And that's what was so interesting about it is like, I really do think that kids have these complex feelings, but to your point, maybe they can't express them. And when they hear this writing, they can feel it has to help because you're nailing a childhood feeling or an adult feeling, but saying it in a kid's way that I I don't think has been done before. It was fun to try to like write it in words that I knew like even a pretty little kid would be able to understand. But yeah, I just think, man, I have these moments. I think throughout the day we all forget like so much of parenting is about like logistics and getting them where they need to be and whatever. But I'll have these moments of like watching my 17 month old just get really invested in a task, which might be like emptying the laundry and then refilling the laundry. Or I'll watch my six year old just like singing a song quietly to herself in the bathtub. And in those moments, I realized like there's a whole internal life happening there alongside mine in my house. And I feel so close to them in those moments. Bizarrely, in those moments where I see them truly as their own separate human being, I also feel like so close and connected to them. Mm -hmm. And so I think I'm like always kind of like yearning for that and like trying to do that as much as I can because it feels so easy to operate not that way the majority of the time when there's like shit to get done, you know? And so I think with the book, it was like really trying to get into that internal experience and really make it real in a way that would hopefully be like interesting to both a kid and a grown up. Cause I do picture, I pictured the whole time I was writing it, I pictured reading it to my kids, you know? And like, I think kids will hopefully read this on their own too. But like in my head, a parent was reading it to a kid and they were getting to talk about it while they were doing it. Yeah. hundred percent. And my eight-year-old has read it, loves it, so it works that way too. It's just, I love it. I think it's great the way you've done it. Like I just, I've read a lot of the stuff my my son is reading, and it's it doesn't give the kids enough credit. It's like, oh, these must be young readers. They must not be able to handle this. And this is not using big words, but it's using like really beautiful language. That's like, why can't they read something really tasty? Um, going into one more. But suddenly the whole picture went blurry and I realized there were tears in my eyes. I was out of leads and out of time. Sometimes no matter how much I tell myself, everything's going to be okay in the end. It's still hard to imagine ever smiling again. It's like that moment right after you accidentally let go of a balloon and there it is floating slowly upward, just an inch out of reach. But you know it's gone. Might as well be a mile high. That's what I felt at breakfast as I ate my eggs without really tasting them. It's like, I can tell the kids like, Oh, you know, this is just one of those times, but like sometimes having story to draw on to be like, remember Violet Archer, this sort of rock bottom, like it's, it's very easy to sort of empathize with this protagonist and like feel it. Yeah. Every kid can relate to this feeling. That's cool that it feels that way. I mean, I do think like, um, the reason I got into movies in the first place was I remember seeing some movies that made me feel like I was not alone in some experiences that I had not really been able to like verbalize to anybody else. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's really great to recognize yourself in a character in a story. And it, and some of that stuff, like I still feel, I still feel at times like it's hard to imagine smiling again, like as much as I know intellectually that I will. Yeah. When you get down like that. Yeah. And as a kid, I remember like 
that's scary because you don't have the like frontal cortex to be like, but you will like this too shall pass. You're just in it. <laughs> right. You know, let me, let me keep, keep going here. So here's one that where I feel like this is more like imparting wisdom. And this is where I like when the Matt Naylor sneaks in. This is more like slightly advanced, but I think kids could have this, but it's quite wise. You know, there's this tricking thing that happens when you've been hoping for something for a long time. You start to imagine what it'll be like when it finally happens. You picture the perfect moment where all your dreams finally come true. High fives, fireworks, the crowd goes wild. You got to be careful with that stuff because when the real moment comes, it's never quite the way you imagined it. You can end up blaming life for what it isn't instead of just living it as it is. Like, it's beautiful. That is a thing that I struggle with and that I've seen my daughter struggle with too. She wants to create like the perfect version of a moment. She really has it in her head. It's like the challenge with like birthdays and Christmases and stuff like that, right? It's like they got the perfect vision and then when it's not quite that way, it can be really crushing. But I think it's different. Like if you read it like this. Yeah. As opposed to like me telling them, you know, yeah, I'll tell you a thing or two. Yeah. It's different. Well, there there is, I think, a thing. I'm not talking about this book specifically now, but the idea of books and stories in general, where if a if a character is portrayed in a book or a play or a movie, they're kind of immediately lent value. Like this person is worth telling a story about. Mm-hmm. I tried to write this character, Violet Archer, like she's super smart and she's super resourceful and she's like got a real backbone. And so I hope that for kids, it'd be like somebody that they'll be like, she's cool, but oh, she also gets scared, but oh, she also gets sad, but that's okay. Like that's just part of the kid. That's kid life. I yeah. guess. That's what's great is like, there's also all these moments where this is obviously written by a 12 year old, <laughs> but then it's like, wait a minute. The writing is like an adult movie or something. I don't know. It's just, a, it's just really, really an cool. Adult film. The yeah, an like adult film. Yeah. An adult film. Rated R. No, but like, like this is one of, also one of my favorite parts is like, so right there, halfway into my seat, I blurted out, when can we see Martha Mom and Papa Dan again? I caught Dados by surprise, and he just said, soon. Dados is the best, but you can't let Tollies get away with answers that aren't really answers. Great, I responded. When? Dados smiled the way he smiles when I'm being a little difficult, but in a way he secretly respects. Mama turned to Martha Mom. They know better than to leave the planning up to Dados and Papa Dan. What are you doing next weekend? I mean, it's like, uh, there's so many layers there. It's like, it has adult themes of like, you know, the moms with the calendars. It has <laughs> the themes of like, that's just true. How many times has your kid asked you, can we have a play date with so-and-so? It's like, soon. Yeah. When? The next yeah. couple of weeks from now. Like, it almost gives them power. Mr. Promises with his soons. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. It's great. Yeah, she, I feel like she's got to feel like that sometimes. Because I always intend to do it, but, you know, it doesn't always happen. Well, I think what's great about this is, like, you have that self-awareness to be, like, when you kind of weirdly talk shit about the adults, the tallies, it's kind of true. It's things we yeah. could do a little better. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking shit about myself. It's like, you know, it's... um. Like kids are really difficult and that that is like undeniable and they're, you know, they're all in and they're not all the way developed, but we're no picnic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like nobody's any pic. Try living with somebody. Nobody's a fucking cakewalk. <laughs> it's just, they got to deal with us too. Like this one. Papa Dan got down on one knee. So he was right at my level. I wish Tollies did that more. It's like, uh, 
<laughs> I should get down on one knee more. How did you know? Like, I, I don't know. Like, the, that's why I, I love it. And I know that I'm I'm plugging hard, but it's not. It's because I'm obsessed with this book, and I really could give two shits about a book you wrote. Like, if it if it was a shitty book, I'd be like, "This is great, man." Like, let's keep getting that podcast done. <laughs> that's, a, that's a cool book, man. Like, yeah, that'll happen someday for you. The only reason I'm so bullish on it is because it literally blew my cock off when I read it. So I think it's so cool. That's man. Thanks for saying that. It is. I, I, I think I can say it's my favorite thing I've ever written. Something about it. Just, I don't know if it's the best thing I've wrote, but it's the most fun I've ever had writing something. And when I got to the end of it, normally you get to the end of writing something. And if you don't feel like you totally ruined your original idea, you're like, that was a success. But this kind of came out how I wanted it to. And um, it still wouldn't be anything if you hadn't believed in it and then spent a lot of time making it real. So uh, it's awfully nice of you. It's awfully nice of you to do this too. I hope it's not boring for people, but uh, we like this book. So, you know, check it out. (laughs) I really do think that this is something special and I don't know. Well, here's the other thing. We've reached the point in the podcast where we either got to do this or like start selling like ball shavers eight minute abs for your baby <laughs> eight minute baby abs so this one at least we actually you know like uh we really care about this one brought to you by violet archer <laughs> come on solve a little read a little <laughs> um and oh and i'm like a third of the way into writing the second one this is this character's got she's i feel like she's got more stories um and they're, they're fun, right? Yeah, that's fun. What do we got? Go. We got one every few months. That's ambitious. I think we could do like three a year. I think we could okay. do three of these books a year. So let's do it. That's a target. Let's go. Well, we uh, we hope you like it. We worked real, real hard on it. Spent <laughs> a lot of time. <laughs> a lot of time. Uh, a lot of time. Uh, all right, there you go. Thanks for doing this, Max. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, well, it's your book too, so yeah. you know, let's roll. This episode of Milkless is brought to you by Phyla Archer in the case of the Purple Martin. Thank you. Bye.